Hello and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebri. And my name is Jessica Tresero. And this week we have a special guest, Cole Dupsick. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Welcome to the show and welcome to the Muppets episode of the Nostalgia Podcast. So you love the Muppets. I do love the Muppets, yeah. What is your history with the Muppets? Where where are you coming from Muppet wise? So okay, we'll we'll take it back. Like I went start to at the beginning. Give us the thesis. Beginning. Give it give us give us the whole the twenty pages. The floor is yours. The floor is yours. Well, I went to like a really weird small private school for pretty much my entire education up until I graduated and went to college. And we weren't, like, allowed to watch a lot of movies, especially when I was younger. Like, once I reached, like, 13, 14, I could watch whatever I wanted. But part of, like, the whole school philosophy was, like, less, like, media and stuff. And so I would have, like, certain things that I would watch or, like, certain things that I would just have that would be on repeat because I couldn't didn't have access to just a ton of media or anything like that. So one of those things was Muppet Treasure Island, which is my favorite Muppet movie. Yeah! And kind of, like, existed in my, like, seven-year-old brain as like a thing that I liked and like as I got older and like grew into college I just like kind of realized how much I loved the Muppets and how much of like a part of my identity that had became and so kind of had like a Muppets reawakening after that when I realized oh my god there was like all these old movies that we had on iTunes like my sister and I would watch like when you used to buy movies on iTunes like what a weird concept (laughs) right yeah Um, (laughs) so we had yeah we had like the Treasure Island one. We had the Great Muppet Caper. We had Muppets in Space, which is like the weird 2000s one. Uh, that was the Gonzo one. story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it just tons please. of Muppets stuff. And then I got to college and I'm doing like animation stuff. And then I'm like, with this like new knowledge, I feel like I can see the like crazy, like how awesome the Muppets are and like how brilliant they are and like what an, like, an amazing thing that Jim Henson and like everyone created. And I kind of got like that new appreciation. So. Kind of my uh, my Muppets, and then it all led to this. Oh, that Rizzo, that? my Rizzo tattoo. Ah, yes! <laughs> Incredible. I love Rizzo. <laughs> I know so it looks much. really good too. Like the line, it's it's a great tattoo. So now, um, I, now it's on me. Forever, permanent, forever. The Muppets will be with you forever. I yeah. feel like <laughs> I've never met a Muppet that I didn't like. Even like some of the weird stuff. I mean, going back and watching the. Uh, the Muppet TV show um, can be a little bit tough at certain points. I'm not sure if you've gone back and rewatched that. But basically everything, like I watched the Muppets as a kid and I was like, yes, I'm into this. This is so cute. And then I remember when the new Muppet movie, the Jason Segel movie came out and I was like, I had kind of forgotten about the Muppets for a minute and I went and watched that on Thanksgiving in the theater and I was just so fucking happy i don't remember (laughs) i don't know i I was sitting there in the theater and i was just openly weeping like watching like you know when they start doing the show again and they you know uh seeing the different angles of like the the television show like come out where they're all like it's time to play the music right and i'm like (gasps) and i was like crying and then rainbow connection fucking cried like the whole thing and then i started to like go back and rewatch a lot of the muppet movies and just fell in love all over again and then another um muppet cry moment for me there's a lot of them 
I was at Comic-Con one year and I got into, do you guys remember they did the um, the TV show for a minute where it was like kind of like an office ripoff and it wasn't very good, unfortunately, because I feel like the humor was not very, it wasn't really Muppety. It was like kind of like more was it weird the, was and it, adult. Was it the same time they did Muppet Babies? Like no. when that started? It was, was it like 2015 or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, um, I don't remember. It was like 2015-ish and they were doing this. And I don't know. It didn't really hit me. It didn't feel like Muppety to me. But before that came out, I was in the panel and all of the puppeteers were there. Like, and I was 50 feet away from them and they were talking about this. And they had like maybe 10 minutes of like structured question and answers. And then they were like, cool. And then within like they each one started bringing up a different Muppet. So here's Kermit and here's Fozzie and here's uh, Miss Piggy and here's Rizzo. And they would like switch them out and everything. So there's like like all of the puppeteers are there bringing out all of like my favorites. And I fucking cried because I'm 50 (laughs) feet away from the Kermit and it was um it was just incredible and, and then like they opened it up for a question and answer and like so the questions consisted of like you know a woman went up there and pepe was trying to hit on her and then the guy behind her was like her brother and like uh, was like i know how to cook king fran and he's like oh right <laughs> <laughs> but the what made me cry like just go like there was an audible one of those like Oh, moments with the entire audience. This little girl went up there and she was probably about five years old. And she looked at Fozzie Bear and she said, tell a joke, Fozzie. And the whole fucking audience just like was just like, like broken at that moment. And he was like, even the puppeteer, even him and Fozzie, right? Because they're both right there was just like, "Uh, uh, uh," (laughs) and like had to like recalibrate because was not expecting that. Just so, so wonderful. And the joke that he told was, why couldn't the bike stand up on its own? Why? Because it's too tired. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> legend. That's really cute. Oh, See, so I cute. I have almost no history with the Muppets. I, I know I've seen Treasure Island. I know I've seen a couple of the movies, including uh, Muppets in Space. At some point, I b- vaguely remember them. Um, so I never, like, I have almost no history. So, see, like, I th- seeing these two movies... It was my first time seeing them. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <gasps> wow. Okay. So I'd never seen the original movie. I'd never seen I because I remember when the 2011 one came out and everyone was talking about it. Like, oh yeah, it's like really good. And I mean, I'm a fan of. Uh, is it Seagull or Seagull? I think it's Seagull. It's like Seagull. 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 I'm a big fan Seagull. of Jason Seagull. Seagull. <laughs> I'm a big. <laughs> like Se- Steven Seagull. <laughs> Um, like Steven Seagal, yeah. See, that's what I'm thinking. That's why I'm confused. Uh, Jason Siegel, <laughs> I'm a big fan of his and was and like with Forgetting Sarah Marshall and like that whole thing. And then even like as a kid seeing him in like SLC Punk, I was like, oh yeah, like I love that guy. Uh, oh, fuck, great. he's in that. I forgot. Remember, he's like the big nerdy guy who like pushes people around. He's great. Yeah. I really liked him. So I was like, oh wow, he wrote and is starring in this. That's amazing. But I never saw it. I just never went and went to see it. So this was great. I'm really excited to talk about them. What a treat. What a treat. Should we do it? Should we start with the first one? Let's do it. Kermit the Frog is a content optimist who dreams of spreading joy and seeing all the magnificent things that life has to offer. 
In Rose, a big Hollywood talent agent who tells Kermit they're looking for a frog just like him to be the next big movie star. So it's off to California he goes. Along his trek, he soon realizes that the world is a dangerous, frog-leg-eating place, and the face of danger is Doc Hopper, a greedy restaurateur and ethicless capitalist. Kermit then runs into Fozzie Bear at a raucous restaurant where he's doing an open mic and the two flee from Doc following a brawl bar. After a detour with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, the two continue to flee and run head-on into Gonzo and Camilla the Chicken. A used car dealership, a dead end, and a dead car later, they meet Miss Piggy at a beauty contest who falls head over heels for her sweet, sweet Kermie. When their vehicle breaks down again, they are saved by Dr. Teeth, who knew where they were because he read the film script. <laughs> Dr. Teeth informs them that Doc has hired a frog killer and they must flee, but Kermit decides to face the baddie once and for all in a ghost town showdown. What's this? Bunsen and Beaker's grow pills grew animals to the size of a skyscraper and scared the bad guys away? Hooray! The Muppets make it to Hollywood where they are given the standard rich and famous contract and, after a catastrophic set debacle, realize that happiness isn't defined by success, but by the rainbow connection of lovers and dreamers and you. Aww. Ooh. <clears throat> so this movie's a fucking delight. Um, it's so much like, fun. What an absolute sweet treat of a movie. So, okay. Rainbow Connection, obviously a bop, uh, a standard even. I love that song. I think it's great. Out of context of this movie, it's great. In context, it's heartbreaking and sweet and like beautiful. Yeah. I'm just like joyous of him just like yeah this is just my life and you know i'm looking for something and you know someday i might find that thing and i think it's going to be great when it happens but i'm also okay with this and things are just good and i think that there's beauty in in the organic aspect of like letting that happen like i want to meet people like me and i think i will someday that's great i love that and you're like (gasps) (gasps) also rainbow connection is gay <laughs> it's like being it's like being a closeted gay kid in like a small town and being like someday I'm gonna find it. I'll find my people. Um I am obsessed. Well oh that that leads me into my first little tidbit and I it's probably reading into it because to me, Rainbow Connection, like there is that level of like queerness in it, of like longing for that community, longing to be like known or be seen by your peers. But the fact that Dom DeLuise is the talent scout who like rose into the scene <laughs> and his like their his life was actively like riddled with like oh we think he's gay if you're like no he's not gay he has a wife and kids but there is like a low-key rumor and like in hollywood at the time too like kind of an open secret like no he's very gay <laughs> like he's a gay man and his best friend Burt Reynolds. So there is sort of a quiet little situation possibly that like they were kind of in love for a time, possibly. I don't know. Either way, I love it. Um, Dom, De Lu- Dom DeLuise also canonically hot. Also Burt Reynolds canonically hot. Anyways, that's my lead into the Muppets movie. I love it. Just How very gay. Very, very gay. Yeah. Well, just that I opening mean, like, where he's like, and there's the like rain- the rainbow and I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Fucking gay. I'm so here. <laughs> and he's also talking about fucking Wizard of Oz. He's talking about Judy Garland. Like, why are there so many songs about rainbows? Like, the most iconic rainbow song, right? Like, other queer icon stuff. And I'm like, oh, yes. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's complete, not even subtext. But, you know, you can you can dream about it, maybe. Maybe it is. Who even knows? 
yeah. I, so I took like some notes for each movie. Like one of the things I love about the Muppets, and it's something you can totally tell, like when the first movie, even in this first like original movie, is that like you have this like beautiful opener, and like it's amazing, and the camera's tracking it, and then immediately we are immediately we're like off to tomfoolery. Like some random dude rose in, and it's oh yeah, instantly. <laughs> like it makes yeah. no sense. What this dude is in a swamp in the middle of nowhere. It's like I have a talent scale. That makes no sense. Yeah. But it's, it's the Muppets. It's perfect. Not, like what they do so good, they just swap between the like heartfelt moments and then like crazy shit like the entire time. Because it it really is sort of comedic slapstick most of the time, just in terms of the way they deliver jokes. So that very much is like, uh, ennui. And then he's like, hey, Hollywood's looking for a frog just like you. Oh, I'm good. You should really reconsider that. Bye. (laughs) I have to catch a plane. Wait, wait, with that tongue? No way. And I was like, oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. Well, Oh, I also... I need to like a line that Fozzie says his first line in the movie is so iconic when they're doing like the movie inside a movie and Fozzie's like, I hope I'm funny. And he says, if I'm not funny, I don't know how I can live with myself. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, <sighs> you better yes. get a new apartment. That was yeah. the line. And then Bunsen, Bunsen straight up like, yeah, you're probably going to have to move if you're not funny. People will find you. <laughs> like you're, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> I love so- funny how self-aware this is too and whenever they like they write themselves into a hole or whatever it like feels like oh well there's there's absolutely no way this can turn around or like you know you as the audience are supposed to feel that then it's like oh well i read the script let's check the script let's see what happens and it's (laughs) just so cute and so silly and one of my other favorite parts was steven or steven martin as his mother calls him. Stephen Martin. Um, not, not <laughs> Steve Martin. Like, just his whole part. Like, I have I have like, a thing with Steve Martin um, because I had to watch him forever and ever and ever when I was working at the Opera House at Disney. But um, in this, he's just so funny. Oh, I can serve you now. Oh, I, I can. I'm allowed to bring this to you. I okay, may cool. leave. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I may. Thank you. Thank you. And just like, ugh. Yeah, the, the the cameos were perfect. It like, it's one of those movies that really did feel just so like earnest and silly. Because that, that trope of like also like you were saying the breaking of the fourth wall. Like, oh, let's just read the script. And then like, oh, now we know where to go because we read the script. Like that being so inside. More often than not, especially with, like, newer material, I get kind of bored of that because it does feel a little too, like, oh, okay. Like, like we've seen it before. And then I think yeah, about it, I'm like, like where have we seen it before? And I'm like, this is the text. This is the yeah. text that they pull from. This is the base, the foundation, the fundamentals, if you will, well, of I, something like that. I've been watching a lot of uh, community and lately, and I'm like, I can see the, like, all the, like, ties to, like, because mm. community is, like, a, like, late 2000s. Yeah. 2010s. But you can see, like, this is like 79, all those years earlier, like, the sort of like self referential humor and like. Oh, yeah. I don't know Dan Harmon's history with the Muppets, but I'm sure it was hugely influential on like. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a puppet episode, I'm pretty sure. Too. There is of Community, yeah. which is canonically very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good episode of television. It's, it's not. Oh, yeah. But. Yes, 100%. There was a community episode of uh, puppets. Yeah, and it's what I like about this, too, is even though 
And I think this also holds up for the next one too, right? When it is self-referential and self-aware and it is kind of this like zany, oh, the plot moves forward this way. Um, It doesn't feel like, uh, because because it's like really well written in the way that it is and the way that it's presented. And I think also it helps that we're dealing with puppets. It doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel weird or forced. It feels really organic. Because it's also within the movie, like, it, like, carries these gags throughout the film, too, right? So there's, like, the lost, have you tried Harry Krishna? Like, oh, okay. And so, like, at first you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then just as the movie goes, so it, like, also builds up its own comedic content, which it, like, references, which is very, very fun, I think. I feel like adding to that kind of organic thing, like, I feel like I noticed a lot of points. I don't know, like, for sure the context under which a lot of this is, like, filmed or written but like there definitely was like some improv going on oh i'm sure like, right lines like just like little moments even in like the puppeteering that i noticed it, like made me really laugh there was one part where fozzy and kermit are watching the tv jingle like the original frog tv jingle and they're watching and fozzy's like kind of like behind <laughs> kermit and fozzy's like patting kermit's back <laughs> to the music and i thought that was so fucking funny <laughs> and like what else the, that song is I, really funny. Oh, yeah. Patriotism swells in the heart of the American bear. Like, maybe that wasn't <laughs> important, but it was fucking funny. <laughs> Fozzie is so good. Like, because even when he's doing his, like, set, there's, like, the joke, like, um, somebody was so fat. And, like, how fat was he? It's, like, so fat that everyone liked him and there was nothing wrong with about him at all. But, <laughs> like, gotta go. <laughs> Just, like, actually, th- th- yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Uh, Fozzie is an absolute icon and it does yeah there does seem to be some really solid I mean on top of just knowing that like these puppeteers and like Jim Henson like this is very much like a family like these actors these creators like they are very they are so tight-knit and you see that in the characters so clearly like there is a connectedness and like a like a softness about like the way that they exist together and effortlessness of all of these characters existing and being. And it's like so nice. Also Kermit on a bike was so fucking funny. Kermit (laughs) just riding a bicycle was the fun. I've seen that as like a a gift, just like him, like boop, 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 boop. And it is hilarious for some reason to me. (laughs) I read something where they like had some sort of like, clear string thing tied there's a huge crane above incredible wikipedia last night and they like for the bike is that how they did it for the movie yeah i think they have like a crane with some like strings attached and then they attached his feet to the pedals so Mm -hmm. when the bike moved it would go like that and then the only thing i don't know is like how they got his head to turn because when he was biking he was like looking well there's there's a couple moments too when um uh what's his name Mel Brooks like picks him up to put him in like the brain suck machine. He, he his head is all like looking around like oh no oh no but you see both of Mel Brooks's hands and part of me wonders if it was like an, like some like low level animatronic that they had for that Kermit puppet just for that scene. Yeah. Just to just to, to like assuage the audience a little bit and like oh yeah like see there's no hands ooh yeah. he's still moving <laughs> you know. Also, when I was watching it, too, there were a couple scenes where I was like, I bet that's in my hometown because it just looked really familiar. And I looked it up. A big chunk of this movie of them driving to California is just shot in Monterey County in like Salinas. Really? 
Yeah, and like it's like some some of the hills were, and then it was like the when they meet uh, Big Bird. That's uh the River Road. That's River yeah. Road on the outskirts near Spreckles. Like I've driven that road so many times. Like I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so cute because I was like, oh, that's like literally where I grew up. I know exactly what this looks like. But that was one of the locations I thought that that was really uh, fun. I was like, oh, yay. Fun. Um, God, what a good movie. I want to talk about Miss Piggy a little bit and her as just an icon and a star. Um, first and foremost, she gets a commercial in the middle of the film and decides to leave the film. <laughs> <laughs> which is the funniest thing in the world. Like she just gets saved. Like they were about to die and she's like, Oh my God, Kermie, I love you. Like let's be together forever. And then she gets a phone call and it's like a commercial. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Actually. See ya. <laughs> um, Miss Piggy is, I, she's just so funny. And like, I, her character as, as an idea, because she is so of the moment in any regard, it is literally like when she sees Kermit and she's feeling super infatuated with him. It's, I love you. I'm in love with you. I'll love you forever. And then as soon as she gets even a little bored, she's like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> like, but like literally there is no future or past with Miss Piggy. There is only present and she only exists for the current second of time. And it's one of the funniest trope or like one of the funniest character traits of any character, I think. It's just so nothing else matters just me in this exact second and if it, I, it yeah oh i loved how like she just expects like no one to like remember anything that she did or the way <laughs> she treated people she just like after the whole thing with the commercial she's like goodbye kermit like doesn't it's not sad at all she pulls up on the side of the road hands up hitchhiker just like yeah. expecting everyone to be like okay get in the car and then she's like yeah I do want to put some of that in context though because like yes and to everything that both of you are saying because I love Miss Piggy as a character and just her self-absorbedness like she's always just so oh, great yeah. and so funny and so uh, I don't know if you watched Muppets now but her segment on there is also just very <gasps> cute and very is that the funny. new that's the new show that's the new one it's yeah. really good it's so cute yes um but like so Kermit this whole time like he, um, I guess we'll dive into him a little bit. Um, he wasn't interested in stardom until he heard he could make millions of people happy, right? And we see him kind of collecting these characters on his way to Hollywood. He's like, "Hey, you could do it too. Hey, you know, um, we could all we could all be there." And he willingly offers his help to, you know, to Fozzie and to all of these people. But when it comes to Piggy, he sees her and he's like, "Oh, cool, we can hang out." But then when he asks her to come, like, you know, to come hang out. She's like, oh, to come with you, right? Because that's that's also kind of what we expect as the audience. Like, the precedent that has been set is when he says, hey, let's hang out, it's like, hey, let's go on this journey together. And everybody up until this point has been male. And then her being the woman is like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I wasn't trying to, you weren't going to come. And we, we this yeah. isn't happening, right? And um, she doesn't, leave for the commercial until after the whole kidnapped thing right like so it's like right she, right after they get saved. it's right yeah, after yeah. but like she gets kidnapped right and then um he goes to save her and then it ends up which i love that she ended up having to save him <laughs> oh <laughs> right? yeah she's like what the fuck ever oh okay fine and so she like saves herself and that's the point where she's like okay bye yeah. and she goes and does her own thing 
And then when she comes back, she's like, hey, what, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, but like initially she was not invited. She just kind of had to invite herself. And because of happenstance and because of yeah. circumstance, she got to go along with the group and we didn't have to like actually resolve that. So then later on when she leaves and she leaves of her own volition, because again, Kermit didn't want her there to begin with, supposedly, but then it's like, oh, well, you left. You know, like, I can't talk yeah. to you. So it's kind of setting up, like, a weird double standard for her. Oh, for sure. I mean, with her specifically, too, being sort of the romantic interest of Kermit, there is this sort of, like, we can't take you seriously mm-hmm. perspective that we are expected as the audience to have with her. But that's also sort of encapsulated within the idea that she's at her worst when she's with the Muppets. Like, literally always at her worst. Like, whenever she's without them, it's because she's the chief editor of Vogue or she's shooting a commercial (laughs) or she's running a business or she's, she's literally achieving these monumental goals because it's an opportunity. She's like, yeah, of course I'm saying yes. I'm going. Like... Well, Why and she would does I stop what she you? wants and she goes for it, right? And so she and, wants Kermit ooh. and she's like, cool, I'm here. And yeah. I think that um, – and we'll get into we'll get into it in the next movie for sure. But a lot of these ideas that were presented here, like Kermit mm-hmm. having commitment issues, like um, Piggy like being ambitious and being able to do anything that she wants to do, um, like all of these things are set up in this movie. And I love how they're treated in the next one. You know, even yeah. with all of the canon in between them and everything, just these things are fundamental to these people's or to these to the Muppets and to their core of who they are. So, yeah, Piggy is her worst when she is with the Muppets. Right. She, she is it's, so it's fucking so successful outside of it. She, Kermit doesn't like didn't want to get married. And we'll we'll get into all of that. But like, yeah, that is still like Kermit's a great friend, but he's an awful boyfriend slash partner slash lover right he's he's a great person like kermit is big sweetie wants the best for everybody but there is a level of like uneasiness and uncertainty that he carries when he's with miss piggy that she's like i literally don't have time for you not to know (laughs) like i know exactly what's happening and if you don't that's okay but I'm going to scoot. <laughs> like, I don't have time for you to figure it out. I know what's going on. I know what I bring to the table. If you don't, that's fine. We're on different paths. See ya. <laughs> like... And Kermit's like a person that really <laughs> needs everything to go correct, like go the way yeah. that he has it planned, mm-hmm. right? So oh, yeah. when the mind control thing happens, Piggy has to save him. Cool. And then in the next movie, like Piggy has to be the one to like step up and to be like, okay, he's having a meltdown. This is him. So we're going to do things my way now. And we're, we're going to get things done. We're going to kidnap Jack Black. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get into that one, but that's but, oh my god. But time and time again, right? Like, and even in this one, like he the car breaks down, everything is going shitty, and Kermit is like feels sad and threatened, and that's when you know before he was like, "Hey guys, we can do something. Let's try it." And then he like has this whole thing where he's like, "Well, I never promised anybody anything. I didn't. I didn't even want to leave the swamp in the first place, yeah. you know." And then yeah. he has this thing where he talks to himself and he's like, "Oh, but I promised me." But he never really acknowledges um, acknowledges his part in like in Piggy or in his friends and in all of this. He's still just kind of like he doesn't know himself, so he can't truly be there for anybody else. Yeah. And that's, I think, something about the general, like, male hero that we see so often is, like, 
I'm going to do it and I need all of your help. But when I fail, it's like, woe is me and I'm the center of this. It's like, do you not realize how you affect other people's? Like, like sure, yes, people are willing to help you. But like when you fail, it's just you. It's not them. Like other people do exist around you. You know what I mean? And I think it all stems from this level of like a place of insecurity, like mm-hmm. an uneasy and insecure, you know, right? Yeah, I, I, I like kind of how there are like these kind of like archetypes like it, it's interesting to like watch this one again with the context of like every other Muppet movie because it's almost like all these characters have like these archetypes or like these the way that they are mm-hmm. and in each movie it kind of like resets and like you just get to see like an almost a slightly different version of that played out and it would almost like seem maybe that it would be boring but it never really does to me it's really interesting oh, yeah. to see kind of how they talk tackle these same characters with these same issues in a new setting with different contexts and stuff like that. They're very oh, yeah. much like their own Jungian archetypes, right? Like there's the fool yeah. and the um, and the hero and all of that. And even though, like, you know, uh, like we're talking about right now with Kermit, like, you know, he's obviously the hero and he's this person. But one of the things I like about him is that he is so flawed, right? And he yeah. is supposed to be our, our main character, our main hero, right? But... Every time it always comes back down to the people around you are what are going to be there when you don't know what's happening and when you can't function, right? And so it's uh, the other Muppets, it's his family that like really save him in these moments, you know? Um, and he is also somebody that doesn't like conflict, right? Like, so Miss Piggy has oh, no yeah. fucking problem taking <laughs> so much ass, Which right? Is no so problem. good. So good. She, she literally has. He is so conflict averse and she is conflict positive. Like she will, so she good. wants to, she's like, oh, is there an Give issue? Me an yeah. Let's Give talk to them. Excuse. I would love to talk to them right now. Let's go talk to them. And you're like, Miss Vicky, stop. <laughs> and he like, even like when he finally confronts Doc at the end, um, Doc yeah. Hopper, he's like, you're not a bad man. Look in your heart. And I know that you'll, you want to let us go, which doesn't happen. Right. But like, he is somebody that like, really has to believe in the goodness of people and of humanity and the world, right? So he's, like, really fragile in that way. And just, like, him being paired with, you know, Piggy, who is completely the opposite, um, that's that's why Piggy and Kermit are so, like, iconic as a couple or just as, like, two people that, like, exist and are attracted to each other because for a lot of, like, you know, Muppets or at least current Muppet stuff, they're not necessarily together, um, is because they're just such opposites. And the conflict that ensues from that is just so, so tasty. I mean, yeah, it's great fodder for anything, for media, like to see these two complete opposite folks constantly in these zany scenarios with each other. It's like, oh, yeah, Yeah. well, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like Kermit is like kind of relatable. Like sometimes life is just like hard. And I... yeah. I yeah, like I, I feel like kind of that aspect of him where he just does not like conflict, just wants everyone to get along and wants to be in control of everything. That's like freaking relatable. I absolutely oh, identify with uh Kermit as somebody that has anxiety and O C D. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And yeah. there is also a level that I identify with in that way where like he doesn't know how to really react to somebody like Miss Piggy. Like obviously <laughs> he's like, I yeah, you seem cool and I like you. But you're like her confidence 
the level that it's at is so intimidating to him that he's kind of like, oh, um, yeah, I don't know. And she's like, well, I do. So let's go. And you're like, ah, like that conflict is so it's so real and so nice. Like it's it's fun to watch. He's really timid to be the leader. Like yeah. it seems like, and I guess that that's Im- an important Which just contextual so character thing. It's yeah. great for conflict because he's constantly at odds. Like, yes, I'm the leader. Yes, I want this to go. Yes, I want people to listen to me and trust me. But at the same time, do I trust me? This is going terribly. Am I a bad person? Should people like me? I don't care about people. And you're like, whoa, this is a lot. And still for so this relatable, one. right? Still so that's relatable, that's yeah. what makes it so relatable yeah. because, look, do we want to take over the world? Yes. Do we want the standard rich and famous contract? Absolutely. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. hard. I, um, I don't know. I don't really, like, I truly don't think I have a lot. There was a joke that I was like, thought was whatever. Um, you think this crowd is ugly. You should see the dancing girls. I was like, oh. I mean, yeah. Okay. Um, I this- mean, arguably the only other woman that we really see. Or Okay, so we see Camilla, who's like literally attached to Gonzo, and we can't <laughs> even understand what she's saying, right? Yeah. And then the yeah. other woman that we see is in the bar when Kermit walks in, and uh, she's like, you want to buy me a drink? And he's like, what? And she's like, he touched me. He touched me. And, like, yeah. like, and I'm like, oh, cool. That's... Cool. And yeah. there was there was another moment too where um did you guys see the Confederate flag in that fair scene? I did, <gasps> I did. I was actually gonna bring that up later. I was like No Yeah. But then I was like, it's like nineteen seventy nine. Fuck that That's why maybe really yeah. Maybe I feel that... like somebody maybe snuck that in there because that's the it's just for a split second that we see it. Like it wasn't yeah. like plastered anywhere else, but or, like yeah, it didn't more some than extra one of yeah. Yeah, but I, mean, I was like, it could, oh. It could be set dressing to like designate that like it's the South and pretty dangerous to some degree. Like kind of like fish out of water. Like, oh, we're so far from home. But this nothing isn't... else about that is dangerous. They, yeah, they, and that's, they there's didn't... a better way that I feel like if it was intentional, Jim Henson would have. I mean, look at what he did with the bar, right? Yeah. So I feel like if it was intentional, it would have been a little bit... They would have addressed more it the more. Nose. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. There was also um, the moment. So um, Mel Brooks's character, right? The, uh, the oh, German yes. Jewish person that yeah. only feels good when he inflicts pain. Uh, did anybody else feel a little bit weird about that? So I felt weird only, I mean, a little bit, but like just knowing Mel Brooks's history and the way that he talks about yeah, World War II and the way that he like his whole thing like his entire career is comedy that subverts the Holocaust. Like that's his yeah. whole thing. So to me, I was like, yeah, some of these jokes are like not really working in like the death yamaka. I'm like, okay, sure. Like whatever. But to me, I'm like, oh, that's like Mel Brooks's therapy. Like as a Jewish person, that's what he's mm-hmm. doing to like, like kind of re it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like all the stuff we talked about with the producers, um, just in yeah, terms true. of like how he sees it. So on the surface, 100% when I was watching, I was like, yeah. But then I remember like, you know what? Well, that's like, this is just Mel Brooks's thing. And like, mm-hmm. it's him kind of reclaiming that horror by like doing the shitty German accent and like, like trying to belittle Nazis in this way. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like, and especially for like the 70s, this Jewish person doing that's way closer to World War II than we currently are. 
being like, yeah, this is kind of this kind of just happened like a couple decades ago. Hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a little meh. I there 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 was also when uh, Kermit is going into the restaurant, the line, oh, foreign food hmm, doesn't smell promising, but a frog's got to eat. I wasn't sure if that was like a foreign as like distasteful. Like, oh, it's foreign. Mm, I don't think I like it sort of a thing. Mm. But then in the context of they're eating frog legs, oh, he's the outsider. He's a foreigner. That's why mm-hmm. it doesn't really smell promising is because it's frog legs. Like initially I was like, oh, is this like kind of gross? But then I was like, no, it's like it's painting the picture that like he's an outsider. He mm-hmm. is the foreign one. And this is foreign food, frog legs. I was going to say I liked that one and that one scene one of the funniest moments in the movie, I thought, was when the like bad guy is like looking at Kermit's legs through the spyglass. So fucking funny! Yes, incredible. Like those th- those visual gags are just so silly, like so funny. Like it- it's the same thing. Like him riding a bike. Why is that so funny? Like it's so like. I don't. Also, I, love, uh... I love that. Just the whole like bad guy premise is so fun and silly. Like, yeah, like it's so, um, it's funny because it's like anti capitalist, kind of, even though like Kermit wants to make a million dollars and and make people happy, right? Yeah, like, I mean, just the commentary on this restaurant owner who does not even have one restaurant yet is going to open 500 all at one time, (laughs) yeah, and it's going to be frog legs, not knowing if people like them or not. And he wants his spokesperson to be a frog. So he wants, like, and also love that they made him look like a, a plantation slave owner, right? So, oh, like, yeah. literally, he's trying to get Kermit to, like, get people to eat frog legs, eat his brethren. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I can't yeah. do this. He's also you just on, on the surface, not only is he bad in all aspects of the word, but he's bad at business. He's not it's he's so not bad. smart. Like it's not these oh. are not good decisions. And the fact that he's exhausting literally all of his efforts and his money just to get this bad decision spokesperson like, "Hey, that's not a good idea and you're obsessed with this." So like is it was it's very silly. I love like kind of the inclusion of that like weird supposedly chain restaurant that has like a theme. I like, feel like that is like one of the most American things ever. <laughs> oh like, yeah. That, that like concept and that idea appeared in this movie because like living in California, especially like just like the random fucking places like Harris Ranch, the pea soup place. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like that is so, so American, a, a place entirely dedicated to French fried frog legs. Like, of course. Oh yeah. Well, that's also of course. Uh, frog legs used to be what would be considered in early American history as like an American food. Like when we think about like, American foods, it was like turtle soup and frog legs were the two dishes that a lot of people who weren't from America saw as like, oh, that is American cuisine, is turtle soup and frog legs. Isn't that wild? (laughs) That's so fucking strange. I've never heard that. Both of those do not sound appealing at all. Not at all, which (laughs) which is wild. Like, like in in that way, it wasn't like fast food always. It was like, oh, what is the cuisine? Turtle soup and frog legs. What? I also love that, like, the oh. there was, like, a hint of the frog leg chain being McDonald's. Did you guys get that Oh, yeah, vibe the too? Golden Arches with the... Love. It was great. Also, I love where they went to pick up all of the uh, the different Muppets, too. Like, it made 
so much sense. Like, Electric Mayhem, perfect, excellent. And their response to, like, Kermit wanting him to join was like, no, 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 when you're famous, we'll come exploit your wealth. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Such a good line. Like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you go get famous, we'll come. We're friends, remember? <laughs> like, ooh. I, it's it, Some of these lines are just real good. The Electric Mayhem were great. They were so good. And Sweetums. Oh, my gosh. Poor Sweetums. Like, <laughs> being, like, just treated went... l- like garbage. Like, yeah. not even called his name. And then they, like, help him. Like, he helps them, like, get the car for cheaper, which was so cute. So cute. And then he's left behind and chasing after the car. <laughs> and that's a gag that they repeat in the next movie, too. Yeah. Which, <laughs> it's, like, the same place, too, which is so funny. It's so fun. Um, this movie ends on like a really beautiful note too, just with the reprise of the Rainbow Connection, and then on top of like they get. I love that they get all. Of, they get everything they ever wanted. They get the big important contract. They get the studio. They get all these props, and then they're doing the big number to like perform for us now as these like famous people, and it all just falls apart. It just yeah, it's destroyed, and they're just like oh, and then it's like well no that that doesn't matter none of this matters what matters is that we're here together and we did it together that's the point like they've literally we... found the end of the rainbow they yes. found the rainbow and then, connection and then the rainbow they comes there in together Ugh, obsessed i know it's like yeah. a little cheesy but the level of like joy that's muppets, that's that's muppets. yeah, yeah. It was i cry the every time ending. i hear that song every time oh it's um, amazing speaking of our producer's episode jay levy his song that they walked down the aisle to was the Rainbow Connection. Aww. And uh, the next one, the that op- big opening number, the mm-hmm. I've got everything I need. That's what I walked down the aisle to. Because um, I think that is just such a beautiful song. It's so yeah. sweet and sincere and talking about like, it's kind of like furthering that Rainbow Connection vibe where it's like, you need other people and like it, uh, so sweet well, so lovely. well speaking of that do you guys want to dip into the next yes. one yes i have, okay. I have many thoughts walter the muppet and older brother gary not a muppet grew up in small town idolizing and loving the muppets after planning a trip for his girlfriend mary gary decides to invite his younger brother to their los angeles anniversary vacation so they can finally tour the muppets television studio Oh no, the studio is super run down because nobody likes the Muppets anymore. Talk about a ruined vacation. Double oh no, Walter sneaks into Kermit's old office and overhears Tex Richmond expressing his plans to tear down the old studio once the original standard rich and famous contract ends, which is like very soon. Through some serious nostalgic persuasion, the gang convinces Kermit to try and raise $10 million to save the show in the studio. He's in. Cue rounding up the gang montage a la the original movie. Um, where's Miss Piggy? We find out that she and Kermit broke up and that Piggy is now chief editor of Vogue Paris, a la Devil Wears Prada. They drive to France to convince Miss Piggy to come back and help with the show, and initially she says no. But after seeing her replacement, she enthusiastically changes her mind. They get the time slot, they get the venue, and they get the show together. Oh no! Gary forgets is his anniversary dinner with Mary, and the whole reason they planned this trip, and now Kermit is throwing in the towel? It takes kidnapping Jack Black, a marvelous whistle-tone opera, and a rainbow connection to raise the money and a successful telethon. 
Walter becomes an official Muppet and everyone is happy. Hooray! Hooray! I realized as I was writing that, I was like kind of running out of stuff because like a lot of stuff happens later with like text and stuff. But, you know. He's I, so inconsequential. He really <laughs> like, is. He's just he's just there so that so there's a movie. He's, he's there so bat- the movie can happen. Yeah. And he's also he's a bad baddie. Oh, he's got a good laugh for sure. Okay, I, I, having having laugh. his like singing and dancing uh, ladies like in their break room, just ready at any time to like, oh yeah, here come out, like you know, oh break time's over, and then like he's Tex Richmond, yeah. he's so great, and then they just go in and they're like checking their phone and everything when they're back in the break room. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so this this one. I really enjoyed too. I felt like it was like a great way. Talk about something that is like literally just, it's like its thesis statement is for nostalgia. Like the whole base of the plot is like, we loved this growing up. This is literally our childhood. Like, let's go and see this thing because we have this like nostalgic connection to it as like a family. And that that's the crux of how the adventure starts, right? I think that's so gorgeous. Yeah, and I think that within that, too, like, within even that, just that, like, first, like, montage that we get, right, we're talking about, like, this is nostalgia, and we're here for this, and we love this. Also, representation matters, and talking about overarchingly um, through Gary and through um, Kermit, this whole movie is talking about men coming to terms with who they are and where they belong. So I feel like it's Yes, nostalgia, high level, like, and everything about it. But within that, it's just those narratives are weaved in just in a very kind and thoughtful way, I thought. Yeah, and what I was going to say was that I kind of, like, watching, I definitely kind of found, like, pretty huge queer subtext with Walter. Like, Ooh, I kind of, yeah. I feel like a lot of my, like, whole coming out and, like, queer experience kind of matched Walter's journey through the movie, I would say. Um, I don't know how long, I don't know how much I want to say about it, but like, I can kind of try to go quick, like some of the moments that oh, I saw. You, take the floor is yours. The, you yeah, can literally take as much time you. as you want. <laughs> so like, one, he's like the only Muppet in his town. Yeah. That mm-hmm. gave me very much like queer kid being the only queer person, which like I, I was for a huge portion of like my high school experience and all that. Um, you know, he can't ride the rides. Um, mm-hmm. which felt like to me very much like some of the exclusionary stuff you feel as a queer person when you're yeah. surrounded by a lot of like heterosexual like peers, mm-hmm. um, especially like in high school age. And then he kind of has this like call to action with the Muppets. Um, I feel like to me that kind of re- represented like the start of his like coming out and like queer journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like kind of the fact that like oh all these muppets are now like downtrodden and old and like laid off and kind of represented like oh it may not be at all how you have it in your head in terms of like your coming out of your queer experience oh yeah like it may be kind of like hard to mm-hmm. um navigate and find your group and find your people which is clear because they he didn't just like pull up to kermit's house and everyone was there and they continued no he had to like find kermit and like convince him and then later on after he kind of started to surround himself by all these like queer people, i.e. the Muppets, he kind of, Walter was like questioning his own queerness and was like, which is something that I kind of related to. It's like, now I'm here. Like, am I gay enough to be here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do like, I do... have, the, do I have the gay in me? Yeah. Do I belong? Yeah. But like, 
when you're not gay, quote unquote, for so much of your life prior, and then you suddenly are, you kind of have to like reconcile with like, how do I do it? Do I have yeah. it in me? But then kind of Kermit lets him know kind of in the, towards the end that like, it's all, we all have it within us. And that was like one of my favorite parts of the movie too. And then, oh. you know, the man, the man and the Muppet song is like pretty fucking gay. Like, am I gay or am I straight? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who am I? Yeah. And that the live action actor is an out gay actor. Yeah. Um, what's it Sheldon from what is the actor's name? I don't uh, know. I for, he's I just for, Sheldon. Yeah. I forget his <laughs> name, but like for his like live action counterpart when he's looking in the mirror is like a famously gay actor is like, yeah. oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I felt like that whole thing was pretty on the nose to me. Yeah. I mean I I definitely see that a lot too, just in terms of like specifically the way they set up the expectation for community for him. Like this idea of like, I've wanted this my whole life. I know I belong here. I know that this is who I am. And I know that it's like, because of who I am, there's, there's a level of like, I haven't been included and I have been sort of the outsider in this small town. So let's get there. And I want to like, I want to see it. It's going to be so romantic. And like you romanticize this, this fantasy of like what you want, this sort of like queer community to be when you get there. And then suddenly it's like, they go to Reno to find Fozzie and this beautiful song that represents so much has now been like destroyed for the sake of capitalism. So he's seeing Fozzie singing this shitty version of rainbow connection about selling shit at a casino. This like rainbow washing of (laughs) a song about, yeah, literally. Literally. And like, as a, as a young person, I'm sure Walter imagining, like, can you imagine hearing them sing that song or hearing Kermit sing that song? Like, what yeah. it means to me, what it's meant to me, and then going and being like, hey, I have to pay my bills and it sucks. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, also, like, I'm struggling. Like, yeah, sure, I'm a Muppet, but, like, I have to eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, or, like, even, like, that to me reads as very, like, oh, I'm gay. Let's go on grinder, and then you have like a terrible, awful time. It's it is it is the conflating and romanticizing a queer experience versus the lived experience, and that being yeah. way more. Some, I mean, because for some people it's it's a great experience, but oftentimes it's it is riddled with a lot of shit you don't expect. It's like yeah. it is a weird, both positive and severely negative experience for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And it's just, it is because there is the fantasy of that, like the expectation versus the reality. Yeah. You have to like kind of wade through the bullshit. So like, yeah, kind of ultimately arrive at like Walter's idea of like, he's a part of the Muppets, the the Muppets, the, the lore, the legends. Yeah. But then the ownership too, the way that the, the movie sort of constructs itself around that idea the the moment of realization that like oh yeah we we all have this within us i am a muppet i am this but i am my own version of that thing like yes i'm this but i'm also a lot of these other things when he does the performance like the whistle tone thing where it's like this kind of odd performance but like he's really good at this kind of weird thing and everyone's like holy shit yeah that's you like that's sick and it's the embrace of that sort of thing that felt so bad and foreign and wrongs for so long and maybe he had done that at some point and was told like, Hey, that's stupid and bad. Like you're stupid and bad and you shouldn't do that ever again. The embrace of that as like a owning of one's power is so like joyous. Yeah. I love, I love the way they did that for sure. Yeah. And like the whole reason that he, you know, gets stage fright and everything is because he doesn't want to be laughed at. Cause this is essentially yeah. the first time he's going to be presenting himself as himself literally to everybody, to the entire world that's watching. Right. Yeah. So like, 
Yeah, I love that. I love that read so much. Oh my gosh. You could write a whole thesis on yeah. on this. This is incredible. So I think yeah, I think you really could because there is also that level too of like an older brother or like a sibling who's like, I know and I know that I need to kind of like be there for you even if you don't necessarily know. And it's like obviously I don't want to like nobody's outing anybody and I don't want to like do that. But it's like, hey, there's a really good opportunity for this person, like my loved one, my brother to like have a good positive experience for themselves. Like I I want to help in any way that I can just by being like, yeah, come come with us. Like maybe you'll have a great time and, and be around people like you, like, you know, like with not so many words, but there's a level of like inclusion, hoping to help like sort of sow those seeds of of power of ownership. Well, and mm-hmm. something else I kind of noticed with Jason, Jason Siegel, who I love. I think he absolutely fucking killed this role. He did yeah. great. Like, I felt like he took the role and treated it like like genuine and like he wasn't above it at all. Like, I felt that he was grounded with all the other Muppets as he was playing it. Like, he was having fun. Um, but what I was going to say, kind of adding to that whole queer thesis thing is like, Jason Siegel is definitely like the straight friend yeah. to me like he exists as like that person to Walter a little bit as well as just being like a man, not a Muppet. And I feel like that's something that I experienced where like, yeah, you can have your straight friends. You can have that. You can have your, your parents who are straight, your mom and your dad. But like ultimately for people that like truly understand you, you need that queer experience, that queer relationship in your life. Oh yeah. Platonic or romantic or whatever. And I feel like there was that moment in the film too, where Jason Siegel like looked at Walter and kind of like almost understood that. He was like, we have to kind of like break apart for this. Yeah. And it might be hard, but like, it's clear that you need to do this for your like growth as a Muppet and as a person and stuff yeah. like that. This is the part of your life where I'm not around. Like, yeah, obviously I'm going to be here, but like, I can't be with you and I shouldn't be with you for that. Like, yeah. That's your stuff. That's your life. That's your trajectory. That's your process that like, if you need to talk about it, sure. But I can't offer that sense of community that you're looking for. Yeah, I, I related yeah. to that a lot. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whole speech that he gave him was really good. Talking about how, like, it's believing in others is easy, but, like, believing in yourself is hard. And that's part of growing up is being who you are. And then when he tells Walter, and he, like, starts crying because he's so happy for him and stuff, he says, like, you're my hero. And, like, because he's so... He's always been so attached to him because he he believes in in Walter and he loves him, you know, and then like just in that moment, he's just like, I fully see you and go go be yourself. Go go do this. You know, I'm not holding you back. And, you know, clearly, like we see that that they're um, while they're very close, like they're both holding each other back in so many different regards. Right. We see very clearly how Gary and Mary are affected by this. Mary, especially. Right. And just in order to um, in order to progress, in order to like be happy at all, like they have to go on their own separate journeys. Yeah, it's also it's it's one thing about like storytelling and just existential shit in general. The idea of existing, it's one of the saddest parts of like acknowledging certain things. That like for me, one of the saddest realizations of just like getting older and moving on is the idea of like right now will never happen again. So for like relationships and friendships, like they're all finite to some degree, like whether it's death or whether it just like peters out, whatever it is, they will all end at some point. And even this version of that will never be the same as it is going to be or ever was like 
that 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 notion and knowing so clearly because sometimes like you don't really recognize it time just passes but there are times where you're like you can recognize it in the moment like oh like this is the last time it's going to be like this and i know that like i'm recognizing it i'm internalizing it and i'm acknowledging like this is it it's not going to be the same after this and that's it's crazy it's just like just one of those like life things that makes me the saddest but also it's like it's it's sad but it's also like really kind of beautiful and just like gorgeous because it really is like oh this moment will never happen again and how lovely it is that we had it like isn't that such a gift like what a treat and like how many more of those are we going to have or that individually we are going to have separately that are going to be just as meaningful but in their own way like just it's it's both incredibly sad but also like super super joyous it's it's just it's a lot it's very complex for me (laughs) that idea and it's good like just that impasse of like yeah this is kind of where it ends and you're like damn (laughs) just thinking about that feeling um one makes me think of the rebecca sugar song that she wrote for the end of adventure time it's it's literally that it's literally that just makes me um i'm like over here like very teary-eyed just like don't look at me right now (laughs) so that that level of of emotional sort of palpability like just how 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 real it is and what a human thing that is is so prevalent in this movie too like just with their relationship specifically like seeing them acknowledge that in one another like he's getting married like he's moving on like it's happening for him to for for Gary. Gary's getting married. Like he's moving on with his life. Walter's finally finding himself, and he's like, "Oh, I am that thing that I loved. Like I can love myself in this way." And knowing that, like we've both gotten here, it's time to like it just it, oh, always, always that threshold is so like, <laughs> it's great. I love it. Oh, I love it. It's so heartwarming and also heartbreaking. Both. Yeah. Ooh. So there, I ha- I do have a, a few like eh, things about it. I really disliked that the bad guy, his song was a rap song on top of yeah. his like band of baddies were like like a tank top chain and a beanie and like kind of POC coded in this way were like, mm-hmm. oh no, the bad people are people of color. And I was like, <laughs> and it's yeah. obviously like and he's like this bad white guy. Right? And a whitewashing of it. Yeah. He's like this bad guy, obvious like greedy capitalist baddie but we're also supposed to like dislike these uh, these coded characters who he's paying i just like i felt like it was just sloppy yeah like because it was so overt in the way that they presented it that i was like it's not just like oh obviously like bad people are just bad people it was so just like outfitted to be this sort of stereotypical look of like these people and i was just like that's inconsiderate and and bad like, it just mm-hmm. seemed, like, completely, like, oh, of course they would be this way. No, that's because of your white supremacist bias. Like, consider that before, like, writing these characters as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt to me like he was just very, um, him as the bad guy was just there as a plot device and not a lot yeah. went into it. So, they're like, you know, and the Muppets does this a lot where, like, there's a stereotype or an overgeneralization that they'll use. And, you know, a lot of the time they'll figure out how to subvert that or they'll lean into that in, like, in these ways. But 
um, to make the choices that they made for Tex Richmond in the way that they did that. Yeah. Um, and then because like also like you were just talking about how like, you know, realize that you're the one that like made this person this way. Um, the whole reason he is like the way he is is because the Muppets laughed at him and made fun of him. You yeah. know, and so that's why he's trying to tear them down and all of that. So to have that be the crux of this and then to like have him coded as like a white person, like co-opting. Uh, well, it's like it's like co-opting black culture and then yeah. using blackness as an evil is what it felt like. And I was like, I know that that's like the intention, but it's also like you have to recognize that like in this context how you're doing this is me- is like messy as fuck like what especially for a movie that is in this way sort of like touting the idea of progressiveness of like like new ideas and like feminism and like all of the like yeah we we we're doing it we're good muppets are good we move with like look at us but then for it to be like such a boring version like not to say that like there's not boring versions of racism but like truly like the most antithet like the most textbook boring white version person of like i'm afraid of black people i was like oh what yeah that it seemed it seemed so and a key word is it seemed so unthoughtful like like yeah. you really didn't consider this idea at all like this was so throwaway like what that is mm-hmm. such a bad, like, I, I can't get over it. It's too much. <laughs> Wait, Cole, yeah. what were you going to say? Yeah, like, I feel like a Muppets rap, like, when they first met the Muppets, would have been funny. Like, I would have appreciated them to redirect their rap. But yeah, that, like, when you look at, so, like, Piggy got pissed off because somebody replaced her, and the yeah. um, the Muppet that replaced her is darker skinned, right? Yeah, and so like. That. Like, even the the bad guys in that. And I didn't really notice that until this watch because, you know, I'm trying to watch it and, like, be hyper-focused in on this stuff. And I was like, that doesn't look great. And there's there's a moment... Okay, so I, I felt like the, the line that she says to, to Piggy when she's like, what are you doing here, sister? And then, like... Um, and because, like, that, that character also has that, like, really gruff voice, right? Piggy looks at her and says, sister. And to me, that that made me feel like, okay, are you, like... Are we go? Are we doing that with this? Are you, ha- are, are you having a conversation about blackness now? Like about is this blackness? What we're, yeah, or, is this what we're doing? Or are we doing this about like? Because to me, I was like, are you trying to say that this character, that the Muppet version, is trans? Are you like yeah. trying to like, uh, oh. like? So it could be taken either in either context, right? And but yeah. either way. Piggy is, you know, she's pissed off because somebody replaced her. But like the way that that small line was written to me felt um, felt really gross. Oh, for sure. I didn't even notice that. But 100 percent, regardless of its intention, even if there is no sort of subtext to it, it seemed like, hey, let's include puppets with like a darker skin tone. And then they just like made them all bad. And you're like, oh. But that's also <laughs> like kind of the thing in, you know, like so the bad guy wasn't really thought out. Um, uh-huh. uh, same thing with like the Muppets. They they were just so, like the Muppets, I think, were just supposed to be fun discount, you know. But again, like yeah. um, without realizing that you're darkening the skin and you're like, you know, um, like the way that they presented it and they're like obviously poorer and things like that. So like that's something that, you know, maybe wasn't very as tasteful. But then also the women in the film too, like even Piggy, right? Um, the women have to do so much in this movie um, mm-hmm. because like Piggy has to come in and save the day. Mary is the one that like 
again, like pulls everything together where she's like, she's the one that finds Kermit's house. She's the one that drives everywhere. She's the one that is also a mouthpiece for like for the men when they don't know what to say, right? She's also incredibly capable because she's an electrical instructor, um, which is fucking cool. She's also so considerate and caring. She is, like, she's but she's most. not able to like talk about like how she feels because she's like also coded as like she's very passive, right? Very and like yes. she starts to get passive aggressive too, right? And so there's the whole like which I love the song, the the me party song, so fun, it's right? It's a great song. But yeah. um that song is Piggy and Mary who are the only real two women in the whole cast, right? Um other than Rashida Jones, um who's like kind of there. But like they're talking like they're like oh well like this is me and it's like supposed to like to me it's seems like it's supposed to be like an empowering song but when you look at the two of them and especially like towards the end like they're kind of like gaslighting themselves into like oh no see i'm fucking fine by myself i can do this i'm here because you see that like you know they start off because like the songsters off they're both kind of like angry and whatever and then as they continue to tell themselves this lie they like you know just kind of like they have to force that smile a little bit more and they're not as um, as into it, but this is what they have to tell themselves to keep themselves going. And even though like, I, I know we touched on Piggy earlier when we were talking about how she's like, no, I'm good here in France, right? And that's what they're telling us at first, but then like, you know, oh, she still has the picture of Kermit, right? And she's still willing to give him a chance, even though she told herself that she, uh, th- she makes a point to tell herself that she's not going back to him she promised herself that she's not going to go back to him and then she breaks her promise to herself because suddenly kermit finally knows how to say like hey i need you because he can't use the i word right and she's like she has to tell him i'm not here for you i'm here for everybody else but then when kermit loses faith she steps in and she has to clean everything up and then oh okay i need you okay cool let's sing rainbow connection let's cry everybody cry together everybody in the whole wide world when you hear that song and then now we're gonna go have tadpoles like there's no real like reckoning with like you know with that hurt that has happened and then mary too like she's just forgotten and like gary he does this thing where he tells everybody like or he's like oh mary and i are here we're here we're ready to help we will do whatever we have to do and she was like what the fuck this is our anniversary vacation but she doesn't she never speaks up and she's just like okay you know but like gary always assumes that what he wants is what she wants and sure like part of his character um part of his journey in this is realizing that like that's not the case and that he has to listen to her but she's dealt with this for 10 fucking years like i know she's been this third wheel she's been this person and i like even though she's like you know it's great that she is so kind and caring and everything we like women we should not have to put up with that for 10 years we should not have to wait 10 years and have this whole big giant epiphany and big music number in order to be seen and to be recognized and to have our wants and needs addressed um so i felt really bad like and she we see her trying to take ownership of of her own life in certain moments where she's like passive aggressively reading the thesaurus i'm gonna do this solo i'm gonna go alone you know and she's like finding all of these (laughs) things where she's trying to figure out like trying to trying to hurt gary but she's also trying to like use that as like armor and instead of like it coming off as armor especially with that going back to that song the me party song it's just sad because she doesn't feel okay or safe or like she's ever heard 
like when she talks to him so she just like gave up and now she's well, like at the end of it took her 10 years to get here you yeah. know what i mean she, she's like never felt supported she's she has done so much for literally everybody else in her life and she does like have that moment where she's like yeah he can come let's do this trip but please remember i want that dinner i want a dinner with just us that is the one thing i'm asking this one thing he's like yes 100% i hear you let's do it and so there is a level of like her kind of like seeing her roll with the punches a little bit even though just like she shouldn't have to she mm-hmm. shouldn't even be in that position in the first place but she is so just like yeah okay I'll, I'll do it like i'll do it by myself and she's literally like so sad but singing in this song like you know what i'm by myself and it's great and everything's great but she's like on the verge of tears like mm-hmm. like i'm having a me party like it's like reframing the narrative to be like it's actually not that bad it's like no it's it's it is it's really just bad. gaslighting yourself it's yeah, gaslighting yeah, yourself and yeah. a lot of time like as women that's what we do like especially when we're in relationships where we don't necessarily have a voice and again like you know gary makes the decisions for her you know even though we see she is smart she is capable in every instance like the reason that the story is able to progress and that this show is able to happen is because one rashida jones takes a chance on the muppets two piggy gets the celebrity host and three Mary goes and fixes the electricity because she gives up her anniversary dinner to go and help the Muppets and Walter, right? (laughs) Because even at their dinner, they have the TV on. (laughs) Even at the dinner. Even at the dinner, he's like, wait, no. She's like, you really want to be there? He's like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) It doesn't mean like it felt a little bit. And what is what is her reward for all of this? She gets to marry him. Yes, but she congrats, doesn't even get congrats, to like, queen. She doesn't get to like be herself, and like our entire perception of her too. Like the only thing that she wants, like yeah. even from the her first song, is like, I want to be married. That's it. Like, what the fuck else does she yeah. want? We don't know. Yeah. So that did bug me a little bit but i do think that she um she played that character very well because that fake smile is there the entire fucking time oh yeah yeah i was gonna have a couple thoughts one amy adams is like my everything i love her to death so good. she is amazing <laughs> like everything she's in arrival fantastic movie enchanted like top, enchanted yeah. top two three. coming out i'm so excited um but yeah like i love amy adams i know she could have she like obviously with the what the role that she had, I think she did amazing. I always felt like there was that kind of wall between her and Gary. Like mm-hmm. I could tell just like by her face and like her expression that she was just like, eh, you know. Yeah. And I think that kind of brings itself to like one of my, I think the biggest issue that I have with the movie. Not a ton. Like I love this movie. I watch like rewatching it. I was like, oh, this is great. I totally forgot how great this was. Um, <laughs> But I think it's that, like, maybe the the plot is, like, a little split between the whole Gary and Mary thing and then also Walter's journey. And I feel like they would, did not have enough time in the entire movie for the Gary and Mary thing to, like, resolve. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wanted her to be angry. She wasn't ever really angry. Yeah. She sent her that, like, that kind, very sweet, curly handwriting letter in, like, that one scene. She's like, mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. Yeah. But I, if I was in her situation, I would have been fucking pissed. Yeah. And I wanted her to have that moment, but I don't think they were willing to kind of give her that because she was kind of there almost to, like, and the thing is too that I loved that conflict. 
that like interpersonal adult relationship conflict ooh, always makes me like when I'm when I was watching it, I was yeah. like, ooh, this is intense. I feel it in me, you know? So I wanted that to be in the movie a little bit more. And I wanted her to be angry and not just be kind of like the person that brings conflict to Walter and, and, and Gary, you know what I mean? She kind of just felt like she was just there yeah. to help them and not be her own yeah. person. The way that she exists in this world and the the town that they exist in too prior to going to los angeles because they always call it los angeles and not la is <laughs> um it's like very like americana very like it felt to me very stepford wives very like nothing is real like she is so perfect and even like the outfits that she wears and like the way she does her hair and everything is very very traditional of american housewives right and then the thing that I didn't like, uh, the other thing that I didn't really like is it felt like they were pitting Mary against Walter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For importance in Gary's life. And then by extension, even though like Walter is just like unaware of this conflict, like Mary fucking hates Walter. And yeah. so yeah. like when we're like, especially when we were talking earlier about like queerness and Walter's journey and everything and to me that felt really bad like I don't know why we had to pit both of them against each other because like the thing about like the that uh, that's not the issue the issue is just that men are bad about talking to other people or considering yeah. other people you know and so to pit both of them against each other that felt really really icky to me you know what Cause, I mean because there is a level of like I think a hundred percent all of her feelings are justified and all of Walter's feelings are justified in the same way, like in these moments of tension. But instead of addressing it, they just, okay. And then that leaves it like, oh yeah, that's right. They were the conflict. Like they hated each other. For me, like you were saying, Cole, how cute would it have been if we do see like her as a Stepford wife, like wearing all this stuff, her with that like kind of half smile, always like on the verge of tears, like really fed up. She has a song that isn't just me party. It is a song that sort of like expels the complexities of her feelings. Like, do I love you? Yes. Do I love your brother? Of course. Am I mad? Also, yes. And do I deserve this? Of course. Yeah. Am I justified? Yet, yeah. like, like have this moment of like, I'm allowed to feel this way, but I also know what it means to you. So I'm allowed to feel this way without having to coddle your feelings. And I'm allowed to exist and I'm allowed to have my agency and my own importance in your life. Like like a song that just like exemplifies all of these things. It really would have like, A, realized her character in, in a big way where like it, it contextualizes all of the shit before with her. And we get to see her really like speak her mind and speak how she's feeling and then that also i think breaks the tension with walter because he knows it's like it's not really about walter it's not even really about gary it's about her and that's the important part is like everything else is about y'all it's about me and apart from just me party it's like oh i'm gonna be happy and like make myself feel good without making them feel bad it's like no make them feel bad but also more important than making them feel bad recognize hey I love you, and yes, but I'm also mad, and I'm frustrated. I can be all of these things at the same time. I'm allowed to and feel does, all of these things. She does have that one song in the, and it's like a verse in the the bigger number, right? Where she like the 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 gardener is like spraying the window. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. That was very funny. Where she, which is so funny, <laughs> and she 
kind of like states how she feels where she's like it's always me and him and him like why can't it just be us but like then her like well one day he's gonna be my prince and he's gonna ask me to marry him and it's gonna be great but like just providing more context and a better avenue for her to express that rather than just being like just incredibly passive aggressive like i mean it's been 10 years girl you yes. have to break like yeah. <laughs> i i love the number at the beginning of expectation of like i know things are bad now but they're gonna get better so there's this hope there's like a place for her to go like mm-hmm. here she goes she's going she's gonna go find that hope things will change for her and she's she's letting all this happen she's like because i know that like one day things are gonna be good but she doesn't get the payoff. Like she recognizes her bad situation, but she never gets that payoff. I'm like, you build her through this whole thing. And the entire time she is constantly helping like with, with everything she saves the day. And at the end, it's like literally what is your prize marriage? What? No, he hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. You've literally had the worst vacation of your life. Arguably. You haven't even reconciled like that, <laughs> let alone the past 10 years of your relationship. Yeah, and yeah. oh, but everything is fine now because we're I got a married. ring. Married. And yeah. he was like, oh. and it's like when Gary realized that like, oh my God, it's, it's my, it's my anniversary. And he ran to the room and he's like, babe, I remembered, I remembered. And you're like, yeah. what do you want a fucking cookie? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. like, that's all I could think. And then he goes back and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she immediately hugs him and is like, oh my gosh, I'll forgiven. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what? it is. I, I almost wanted like, well, okay. One thing I feel like no one has said, he lives with Walter as like a 40 year old man. They just oh, live yeah. in bunk in, in two beds like they're which, I, like which kind of adds to the notion of like a possible arrested development situation with yeah. the two of them because there is this sort of like history of like <laughs> kidness or of like youngness that they both share that they're like, We're yeah. brothers and we love our brotherly life. And it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> he is, like you said, kind of nearly yeah. forty. And it's like and that's great and I love that they have that connection. Well, but... and I, I almost wanted to like because if Walter understands he has a separate life from Gary, he's kind of like come to realize that. Like I wanted Gary to not leave Walter, but like kind of do the reverse of what he has been doing for all this time to maybe somehow like prove to her that maybe he is willing to like kind of like make this change because he doesn't yeah. at all. Like I wanted some sort of like, oh, Walter has this other big thing or he maybe is like, you know what? I'm going to miss Walter's big muppet song or whatever or i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna do that yeah so i can be with this girl because he doesn't really have any agency even in his own story right like gary is like an ultimate support person and he only has like he has such a big heart but he only has capacity for one person at a time because he devotes his entire existence to this person right Mm -hmm. so it was walter for the longest time right to the point to where that is then his identity his identity is caring and nurturing for his brother who he's worried won't be able to exist out in the ether right so that's where that whole big speech that we talked about earlier comes in where he's like okay i'm letting go but then what is he what like he he doesn't know who he is or what he is or what he wants like we don't get any of his motivations at all in this his motivations are purely based on the relationships that he has with others like we don't even know what he does for a living or anything we know what everybody else does but he's just kind of like hey walter i love you and i'm here to support you i'm so supportive and i love you oh hi mary i love you and i'm so supportive and i love you and this is great but like so even though he's like you know kind of like stepped away from walter he's going to put all of that onto mary which 
if he's going to like do that, I don't think that's what she wants. I think she wants him to be his own person and she just she wants his attention, but not like that level of attention, you know? So because yeah. like it's kind of unhealthy. And I think that's that was the hope, at least for Mary. Right. Like, yeah, she's kind of saying yes, because she's like, hey, maybe this will like lead Walter on his path. Yeah. And, like, I'll finally have Gary. Like, it'll finally just be the two of us. Like, yeah, hopefully. But like it's just still watching it on at yeah while they're watching they have yeah. a little mini tv and it's like well what yeah we Set don't that aside i feel like the conclusion is too sort of like out of context happy ending with the marriage yeah. proposal and like you're a real muppet and here's the ring and blah and it's like but there's so much you didn't finish like also you literally like... left so much us on the side <laughs> It feels like he changes for a woman because that's what he that's what she wants and needs from him, which is great. But I think it would have been even more powerful if he there was I mean, of course, we just talked about none of it was really resolved. But like if he changes his own volition and not just because this is like that expectation was put on him. It just feels like he's going from one thing to another, you know? Yeah. Kermit and Gary are like basically the same person with how they treat yeah, others, you know, truly. like they're um, the nice, the nice every man, but niceness literally being like the key to their downfall. Like you can only be so nice. Okay. But like, what do you actually want? And what do you actually mean? Stop being nice. Like stop being nice to all these people. Be there for them. Stop mm-hmm. just being fucking nice. Nice gets you nowhere for anybody. And it just leads to more problems. Like you can be nice and do these things, but niceness as a base level is just completely unnutritious for anybody's development. Mm-hmm. Like it does no good to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Also, um, I I know we just talked about like some of the bigger, deeper story issues that we had, but ultimately I want to say that I absolutely love this movie absolutely love it it is so funny in that same way that like the muppets always have been where it's just like there's this like really heavy moment and then like Fozzie is walking out of the theater with fart shoes on and you're like what are you doing i laughed so hard (laughs) where they like they lost the money Everything failed. <laughs> They're done. The Muppets are never coming back. Nobody loves them. They hate themselves. Everything's dead. And it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and it's such... Because like you saw him talk about his fart shoes earlier. And then it's like... Of and course then it's bringing Fozzie's it back fucking and it's like, shoes. Of course. That was such a well... like it was, it was the perfect Muppets joke. It was perfect. So we are back from los angeles los Um, angeles (laughs) we're going to Um, los angeles the first film so the original muppet movie from the 70s eric uh, who do you think it was for it was for lovers and dreamers and me is who it was for 100 percent. who do you think it was for i mean fuck that's who it's for um yeah, no, I, I I have nothing better because like like Rainbow Connection is like the ultimate card to play for me and I'm just like, yes, absolutely, that's it. It's so Done. Great. Um what about you, Cole? The first one, I don't know. I think it's for like people who just want to have fun and be themselves. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. Did you like it, Eric? I loved it. I think it is a triumph. I think it's so sweet and fun and cool. 
I like I re- I can't believe I, I honestly I'm like so blown away by how much I really enjoyed it. It's it is such a good movie like through and through Rainbow Connection, obviously a bop, but like outside of it, meaningfulness, all of it. It's just it's really so fun and so good and so sweet. Yeah. What, what about, about you? you? Call first. What do okay. what do you think? About. Yeah, I I love I love the original one. It it's so cool just to like look back and see like how much of like that ethos I try to emulate in like my own art and everything that I do. I like with Muppets. It's just like how can I even in the slightest bit like capture that like feeling of like joy and fun and the stuff that I make and you know what I mean. Like I just really oh, yeah. try. That's like my pursuit, right? It's stuff like fun, good time, Muppets, laughs, cute. Yeah heartfelt sincere amazing for all ages like it's the best type of entertainment really right yeah yeah absolutely um i love this one and i was it's just such a treat to go back and watch some of these older muppet movies because i mean for the most part they really do still stand up and they are just so fun and funny and slapstick and um also like so incredible how they got some of those shots like we were talking about like extensively about uh the car scenes with Fozzie and um Kermit on the bike and everything so like even from like that kind of standpoint just like incredible that this exists in the way that it does you know just so fun so funny so feel good in a way that I feel like everybody needs especially like the past two years you know oh yeah it it's it never gets stale because of yeah. the way it's presented, so um, iconic, iconic. I, I love iconic. this movie. Iconic. Um, Eric, twenty eleven, The Muppets. Is this new and interesting or the same? Progressive or regressive? How has the story evolved with today's ideals? I thought it was new and interesting, but not necessarily in the positive way. I thought it was a new take because it is like a movie based on the idea of the Muppets IP as like this tantamount nostalgia. Like we love this. This is so amazing. And like, that's the base. I was like, Oh, that's kind of like new and interesting. I think that that's cool. Um, Too many humans, too many people get them out of there. Muppets only. (laughs) It's a Muppets film. Get out of my face. Um, Yeah. I thought it was, a little regressive just in the way that it tried to be a little bit more intense. Like it didn't have to be, I felt like the Muppets, especially the Muppets movie, the, or uh, the Muppet movie, the first one, it was so like effortlessly charming and effortlessly thoughtful. And like that, that's like the crux of what the Muppets feels like. And this movie had some of that, but it didn't feel the same. It felt like it kind of like missed it a little bit. What about you, Cole? I do feel like it was new because I feel like it was like a little fork in the lane, right? We were like, we're just going to take this little detour and see what like more of like a high polished Muppets could be like. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think like, can they make another Muppet movie again? Because like, I feel like there's a certain like uh, lo-fi, lo-fi indie uh, quality to like the original Muppets movie. And I'm like, I don't, any I don't, chill, any chill hop, hip hop beats for Muppets, but like, you know what I, mean? like <laughs> I don't know if they can ever achieve that like same charm again because I feel like part of the charm is they like lightning in a bottle, like Muppets movie, like old, like trying something new, something fresh. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm glad that they made it. I'm kind of glad to see 
how that went. And I love the songs. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see kind of another Muppet movie, but I'd like it to be like another pair, a parody and not like a Muppet movie. I would like, a, I would like another, I want another parody movie. Cause I feel like that's right, Gatsby. Here we come. Literally. Yeah. I, guess, I feel like that's like where that kind of lo-fi dumb quality can maybe shine out a little bit more is when basis of like silliness is already there. When you think about like, I don't know, Muppet's Christmas Carol is also one of my favorites. I like, love that one. Whenever the they do an interpretation of like a, yeah. of an older story or like, you know, like a, a, you know, a classic. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, also when the stakes are low in that way from a story perspective, like the story's already there, there's so much more wiggle room to play and to be sort of more candid and a little bit more like open and flowy and playful, which is like yeah. where the Muppets thrives. Yeah. 100%. There's yeah. so many parallels between like the first story and this story and you totally. know in character motivation in like you know how in just how they treat each other and how they work together and what they want um that yeah it was technically a continuation of that first one because we still had the big and famous contract we had you know all of that oh, stuff yeah. but it still at the same time managed to feel like a new introduction which was kind yeah. of neat to balance both of those I think I feel like this movie was um, it was new in terms of like a lot of like the production stuff and a lot of the quality. Right. Um, and I think some of that was really interesting paired with like a lot of that nostalgia where I was like, oh, oh, this is the part. This is where it's going to happen. Like, you know, like I said, I cried when I saw them all like, you know, the uh, that uh, Muppet song. I was like, oh, God. Um and I loved that. And I loved seeing um, some of the production around like these, like, you know, Rainbow Connection, these songs that I, I really love and remember. Um, and it felt like the camera loved the Muppets whenever they were on screen, right? Like they found these really new and interesting ways to shoot the Muppets that I had never like really seen those angles from before, you know? And mm -hmm. so to me, it made them a little bit more realistic or like grounded in the real in that film. So I loved that. But I do think that it was just kind of regressive, though, in its storytelling because of the yeah. things that we talked about where, you know, I do think that the way that they treated the women in this film, um, also with it just being so classic Americana, like to me, that was uh, that kind of took me out of it. Because what fucking city do we know, especially in Southern California, that is so stuck in the 50s, like in terms of like the milkman and like, you know, like I, I get that you're going for that, but like. With that came all of this weird conflict that didn't need to be there. Like Walter, this like, you know, like you were saying, like this is his his coming out story. This is his like journey to that. Right. And I feel like the conflict with Mary just really took away from that and really kind of like centered her and Piggy in this way that it was it felt a little bit messy. And I feel like that could have been handled a lot better. But yeah, just it just it felt so classic that it felt regressive, if that makes yeah. sense. Because not only was it aesthetically classic, which can be really cool and really fun, but in these tropes that, you know, the women fall into and people of color or, you know, or and by people of color I mean like the uh the Muppet version of the Muppets, right? Because yeah. there weren't a lot of people of color in this movie. That to me felt a little bit uh, regressive. Um, but as far as like evolving with today's ideals, nostalgia sells, right? And I, while I do think that nostalgia was done very well in this film, Muppet wise, I think the nostalgia, it suffered from the nostalgia of that classic Americana um, mindset and aesthetic that really didn't like have a place with like going to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, Eric, who is this for? Oh, fans of the Muppets. It was 100% like 
it was for people who have a history with the Muppets, like Muppet heads, as it were. Um, I think that Muppet Muppet heads, yeah. R, r slash Muppets. R, yeah, <laughs> it was for R slash Muppets, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I think it was for. Who did you think it was for? Obviously, Muppet stands who maybe are older and kind of looking back. So maybe some parents to go with their kids to see it sort of deal. I think maybe some of that. And also Amy Adams stands who just like are now in her back catalog. <laughs> and they're just like looking for something else and scraping <laughs> at yeah. the bare bones. The end of the chicken. Just like, oh, what else is there? Oh, I guess I'll watch Muppets. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I think I, I think that it was for Muppet stands 100%. And I think like... I think they were trying to introduce the Muppets to a whole new generation, right? Because yeah, like whenever we saw, uh, whenever we saw, like you know, the the families watching the telethon, it was the parents being like, "Oh, I remember this. This is great. You're gonna like this." Yeah. And then the kids, like you know, laughing along with it, right? And then <laughs> Selena Gomez coming in and being like, "I don't know who you are, but like my agent told me to be here." So like <laughs> recognizing that, like, because there's also that other joke that that the hecklers say, which is like. Half of our audience is dead. That's geriatric humor. Ha 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 ha. So it's like very aware that like, you know, a lot of the people that grew up with the Muppets or liked the Muppets are maybe not here or have children or like there's this whole generation that like does not have Muppets. So it was like a relaunching of the Muppets, right? So I think it was for Muppet stands and Muppets career, <laughs> you know, um, did you like it, Eric? I love, I will, no, I, sorry, take back. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. I thought it was very good. I thought it was very fun. Again, the music, the story, like for the most part, I like, I really did enjoy myself apart from like some of the critiques that we had overall. I liked it a lot. Cole, what do you think? Did you like it? I think I loved it, but I think it's just because I'm a Muppet stan and I pretty much yeah. love everything the Muppets, <laughs> the Muppets do. And like more Muppets content that feels like genuine and the true to like the ethos of the original. I'm going to eat that shit up. So yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> 100%. I'm right there with you. I <laughs> Look, I know we talked about some of the things, but you know, Eric, I know that whenever it's a heist movie, you just kind of like overlook any of the oh. problems or anything like 100%. Oh, yeah. That's how I am with Muppets. Um, 100%. <laughs> love this. Um, love, love, love it. I fucking walked down the aisle to like that first song, y'all. Like, I, I love this movie. It's so great. It's so fun. I still watching it. I can I, I've seen it so many times and it's still just it feels like a big hug. And I love that. Gorgeous. <laughs> well, that's it. Oh, my goodness. Is that it? I think that's cool. it. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Where can people find you? Oh, if you would like to me... if you would like to plug anything. Oh, you can um, follow my uh, art Instagram. I have a couple things to plug, actually, now that we're doing this. Hell um, yeah. Cole underscore art. It's like my art account. I don't have a ton of followers, but I post stuff there every once in a while. Um, big uh, animation guy, VizDev going up. And then me and my friend Ellen got our thesis film uh, coming up called The Rainbow Dung Beetle. It's about a um, dung beetle who's rainbow colored but covers himself with poop and mud to hide from predators. Um, very gay story about this old dung beetle. That's coming up soon. We have some really fresh, fun Instagram content for that coming up soon. We got like character intros, the crew intros. We're getting Cute. like casting calls all up right now too. So that's Rainbow Dung Beetle Film if you want to follow it. 
That's awesome. I'm going to yeah. follow this right now. That sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to have to wait till June or like the end of May 2022 for the, when the thing's done. But hopefully it'll be all worth it. <laughs> but it's coming. It's, it's on the coming. way. No. Gay bugs. Gay bugs. Gay bugs are, <laughs> Gay bugs are in. <laughs> Gay, Gay bugs, bugs are for in. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Love. Gorgeous. Yay. Well, Cole, thank you so much for doing this. This was such a treat. Okay, I, of course. I also, I'm so happy I watched these movies. Yeah. Thanks to you. Thank you for, thank you for having to. us do this. Yeah, of course. I enjoyed this so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media. Artwork is by Eric Lefebvre, editing by Danny Barkley. And thank you uh, again for joining us, Cole. Of course. Thank you, yeah, Cole. Anytime. <laughs> And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. Hey everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Shelby. I'm Jake. And we are the band Lousy Advice from the Lousy Advice Podcast. Come listen as we draft artists and genre-centric best-of lists. With the help of our closest friends. These lists are canon. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. From Misfits to Cher. Green Day to Gaga. Or Pup to Paramore. Listen to the Lousy Advice Podcast now or else. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we are the band Lousy Advice, and this is our podcast, the Lousy Advice Podcast. The Lousy Advice Podcast? The Lousy Advice Podcast. Podcast.